We are Lone Star 187. Two sisters that love listening to true crime podcasts and decided to give this shit a try. Since we are Texas through and through, we will be researching murders across our Lone Star state. 187 is slang for the penal code for homicide. Since police codes are unique by city and county, we decided to simply use something that most people would get. We know this code isn't specific to Texas, but hey, we like it and it's our podcast, so we do what we want. Lone Star 187 most definitely contains elements that are not suitable for some audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Units heading out to that disturbed attack of the vehicle. Go ahead and reduce, but continue, reduce, but continue at one point. Case file 55, Shelly Nance. Hello again. Hello. Fancy meeting you here. How's it going? Are you, why are you so obsessed with me? Girl, you're my <laughs> sister. I love you. Why are you so obsessed with me? Why, why are we so obsessed with each other? Because we have fun. We are so We got some fun. stuff in common. We like to hang out with I'm each other. I'm a party in a glass. And do you know what? I'm a party in a glass. <laughs> I think. No, I'm a blast in a glass. Is, is that is. what Dina says? I'm a blast so. in a glass. I'm a blast in a glass. <laughs> I know this might look weird, but I need to do it because this is a shitty microphone. At some point, I will buy those other microphones that we saw, but it's like $250. So, Who are you to buy new microphones? I am Carrie. Who are you? I am Brittany. And together we are Lone, Lone Star 187. 187, bitches. Coming at you. Coming at you live. Okay, so you want to know where we're at this week? Yeah, do I have to like, do I need like a Wayback car, like Wayback no. machine? Like, Mm-mm. do I need to borrow Blood is Thicker's Wayback machine? Or can I just get in my Ikea and go? Uh, you don't have to go way, way back. But we're, we're going to go back to 2009. Okay. And oddly enough, September. In fact, tomorrow will be the anniversary of this happening. Holy. That's perfect. Crazy. Perfect That's day. Crazy. Yep. Okay, so... This happened in Dallas, Texas. Wow. Yes. Like what part of Dallas? Um, in some apartments. At the time, they were called, the name of the apartment complex is further down in my notes, so I don't remember. Is it right. like North Dallas, South no, Dallas? No, right now that it's called Reflections. So it is, so you know how if you're, how if you're taking 635 East mm-hmm. and there's Greenville exit right there? Mm-hmm. You know those apartments over there to the right behind the Olive Garden and all that? So, like, you're on 75, mm-hmm. and you exit 635, so kind mm-hmm, of on a high five. So, it's basically between Greenville and T.I. Boulevard, like, okay. that, that okay. big okay. Yes, area. yes, yes, okay. Not a very good neighborhood. No. A lot of shit goes down there. Agreed. So, it's safe during the day, but at night, you better get yourself in there, and you better lock your doors. It's a little shady. It's a little shady. A little sketch. We need Gus to record us. Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. So we can just like push it. Yeah, because that's what he does. And because of him, I'm like. I know. Those I was, TikToks are I was, showing up again. I, well, I was humming oh, it at work today. You were? In my head. Did you text Savannah and tell her? No, I should have. <laughs> and then he was like. I know. And then he was like tapping it. <laughs> and Savannah was like, how did you get that so quick? I was like, I don't know, but my brain just processed it. it, it just it's did. there. This is our podcast. So we do this story is about a girl named Samantha Michelle Shelley Nance. Okay. I love that name, Samantha Michelle. I like that. Samantha was born on April 7th in 1989 in Italy, Texas. 
Oh. Which we know where that is. Yes. Her parents are Sam and Cynthia Nance. Shelly um, had a sister named Rachel and a sister named Shauna. She was a 2007 graduate of Italy High School. She wasn't the most popular student, but she knew what she wanted to do with her life. And one of her favorite quotes is, I am off in my own world while the rest face reality. Oh, okay. I like it. <laughs> so she was very free-spirited and all that. So I got this information from a show called Killer in Plain Sight. I love that show. It's season one, episode three. The name of the episode is called A Friend to Die For. Ooh. Mm-hmm. I also got some information from the Italy, Texas newspaper, as well as the Dallas Morning News. Okay. Okay. So it's September of 2009. A um, little bit more backstory. Shelly entered an art contest at the Art Institute of Dallas and placed fourth nationally. So wow. that allowed her to have a $13,000 college scholarship. So after high school, she enrolled into the Art Institute of Dallas. And so that's where she was going at the time this happened. Okay. Um, she really liked going to college there. She felt like she belonged. She had a lot of friends. She got along well with her roommate, Ashley, and she recently started dating boys. And so this is her second year as an Art Institute student there. And she's 20 years old. And like most college students, she stays up really late. Um, but she's working on sketches when she stays up. She stays up late, working on sketches, and then sleeps until class. Is that slang for drinking? No. She's really like a... She's, she's like a good student. She's a really Dang. good student. She I mean, she got a 13 grand scholarship and True. she was like doing her art. And in fact, there's a lot of her art online. She's a very good. And I'll post some of it on our, when we post the story. So in the morning of September 10th, 2009, Shelly's parents, Samuel and Cynthia, are leaving their home in Italy to make a 1400 mile trip to Yellowstone National Park. And Cynthia chats with her daughter every single day. But this morning, she's not getting a response from the, on the text. And they know she didn't have class that day, so they're like, well, maybe she's sleeping. So they keep driving, and they're talking about it, and they keep driving. And later that night, they stop at a hotel, and they still haven't heard from her, and they're starting to worry. So they go to bed. The next morning, there's still no answer. So Cynthia calls the Art Institute and asks to speak to someone in the admin office to find out if her daughter showed up for class. They said, we'll have to check, and we'll call you back. So they call her back a little bit later, and they say that her roommate Ashley says that she had seen Shelly the night before. Okay. So they're like, okay, she's fine. Maybe she's just asleep. Maybe her phone's dead. We're not going to worry. So they're still worried a little bit, but they're still making their way to Yellowstone. Um, they're almost to, they're about 200 miles from Yellowstone when Cynthia gets another phone call, much different phone call this time. They get another call. And at this point they were in the mountains. The signal sucks. And, and Cynthia can only hear, like, bits and pieces of the conversation. Oh, that's the worst. But what she hears is, your daughter found blood. Oh, God. And then the line cuts off. Oh, my God. Horror movie. Yes. So back up. Earlier that afternoon, a call comes into the 911 dispatch in Dallas from a girl named Ashley Overa. She calls to say she found her roommate lying, in, lying face down in the bed, covered in blood. So the police rush to the apartment complex. Complex? Her complex? Not the complex. The complex was confiscated. Oh, my God. Nobody wants to be found in a complex. No. What the fuck is a complex anyway? So they rushed to the apartment complex at the time. It's called The Falls, um, which was very popular with students. And I even wrote this. The complex is now called Reflections. It's on Markville Drive. Okay. Um, behind the Olive Garden off of 635 in Greenville. This area gets rough after dark. 
So the police get there and Ashley leads them up to the apartment. They found Shelly face down and she had been stabbed over 40 times, mainly in her neck and her back. There were no signs of trouble, no defensive wounds. So they believe she was probably asleep when the attack started. I hope so. Um, And so they found her on. She stayed asleep. Yeah. Or at least was unconscious. Like maybe she woke up but then lost too much blood and went back out and wasn't in pain. So they found her on a Friday, but the coroner stated that she had been dead for more than 24 hours. And also they went through her computer and it showed that she was on her computer from Wednesday evening until 6 a.m. Thursday morning. Hmm. Okay. She was wearing a t-shirt and underwear, but there was no sign of sexual assault. Thank God for the big Mm -hmm. things. Under her left wrist, they found uh, a tiny blue shred that could be latex glove. So they put that aside. There was no sign of any murder weapon, although, you know, the knife block in the kitchen, there were two empty slots. So they're like, okay, well, we looks like we have a couple of mix, missing knives. Okay. Um, murderers, could you bring wait, your wait, own wait. shit? Are we like a podcast <laughs> telling murderers what they need to do? We should not be doing that. I mean, bring your own shit. Not only did you take stuff, but then take my life, but then you took my shit too. Well, we're not sure. She just made note that there were some missing knives. We'll see. But yeah, you're right. If you're going to murder somebody and it's premeditated and it's not like crime of passion, bring your own shit, right? Like people just be taking stuff. Those were not your fucking knives. No. Those were mine. Those were her knives. They were my roommate's knives. You don't even know. That's the truth. Damn, people, come on. They noticed blood spots in the bathroom sink and cabinet, which could mean obviously that the killer cleaned up before he left or she left. And so the investigators start questioning her friends. And, of course, they find the answers don't line up with the evidence that they found. Of course. That's how it works. Uh, They feel like the violence of the assault implies that it's a rage-type killing. So her and her boyfriend had a great relationship? Where do we get there? (laughs) There They never fought? They were so in love. I mean, they were the perfect couple. I mean, he caught her on fire, right? Wasn't that last? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, There's no sign of forced entry, so it's very possible that whoever did it maybe had a key. Or she left her door unlocked. Or he said, can I borrow a knife? Right, and she said, here I have two. Take them out of my block and get the fuck out so I can go back to sleep. I've been up all night coloring. They questioned her roommate, Ashley, and she initially told the school officials that she had seen Shelly at home on Thursday evening, but now her story changes. She said Shelly was in her room Wednesday night, but they didn't see her speak to each other after that. So now she's saying the last time she saw Shelly was Wednesday morning as Ashley was leaving for class. Mm, sus. Instead of on Thursday. So Shelly said she left at 9 a.m. to go to class and got home around 3. When she returned, she saw that Shelly's door was closed, but she thought nothing of it and just left her left her alone. So they know that Shelly was stabbed at some point Thursday morning. So that would mean that Ashley spent the evening at home with Shelly's dead body in the other room. That is creepy. So you get home and your roommate do- roommate's door is closed and you just go on about your business not knowing that she's in there like laying in a pool of blood. How creepy is that? That's super creepy. So Ashley decided later in the day to knock on the door and didn't get a response. She opened the door and that's when she found her roommate stabbed to death. And that's when she called 911. But at this point, it's like late, late on Thursday. Right. Mm-hmm. Or they find her on Friday. Right. They find so her Friday. at this point, it's like. It's been it's, at least 24 hours. Yeah. So, but the investigators aren't convinced and they want to also know why she wasn't like freaked out by the blood that was in the bathroom sink. There's said, blood in the bathroom sink? Yeah, that's what I said. There was blood in the bathroom sink. And in but the she hadn't gone in the bathroom. Yeah, she went in there to brush her teeth because she was getting ready for class. There was already blood in the sink and she wasn't even bothered by it. She said, 
I saw blood in the sink and thought nothing of it. Just like she, her roommate's door was closed and she thought that, like, I don't know if I know anybody that's this, like, non-involved with everything that's going on. Like, if, if I saw blood in my sink, it'd be like, everybody in the house, is everybody okay? What's going on? Where'd this blood come from? Yeah. And I don't think it's just because I have a podcast. I mean, somebody hurt themselves, whether it's yeah. minor or major. Right. There's blood in the sink. And how did it happen? Because if you stepped on a piece of glass, maybe there's more glass, you know? Yeah, like... Why is if, there blood in the sink? Yeah, or are you throwing up blood? Yeah. Like, do we need to go to the What's ER? Going on? When there's blood, blood, for those of you that don't know, blood belongs in the body, not outside. <laughs> so if you find it somewhere outside the body, it is cause for concern it's until it's ruled out. Think something of it, girl. So they question her for hours on end, but throughout the whole time, she maintained her innocence. And at this point, they still, they can't really find a motive for Ashley to have killed Shelly. But they did say, I know somebody that you might want to talk with. His name is Nathan Shuck. Oh, Shuck the Nathan Nathan Shuck is Shelly's boyfriend, who is also 20 and a a student at the Art Institute. Oh, no. They had only been dating for a couple of months. And um, Shelly had introduced Nathan to her parents because she didn't think her father would approve. Because? She just said she didn't think he would approve. Did he shuck corn? His name's not Jimmy. His name is Nathan. But did he shuck corn? He might have. Maybe that's why she didn't think that he would pass the test. Maybe. I don't think it's hard to stab somebody with some corn. Maybe he was aggressively shucking the corn. Maybe the corn was sharp. Maybe. Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we got to forward. (laughs) We're getting way off track. Okay. I'm shucked up. So they... (laughs) Hold up. I'm shaked up. So the investigators decide to talk to Cynthia, Shelly's mom, about her opinion of Nathan. And she said, well, Shelly was telling me that she was thinking of breaking up with him because she didn't think the relationship was going anywhere. Okay. Okay. Right. Typical for college boys. And Ashley also was saying that Nathan is prone to angry outbursts. So they bring him in for questioning. He says he's devastated at the loss of his girlfriend. And he had been um, back at his family home with his mom and grandmother all week. So he hadn't seen or talked to her. But he had visible scratch marks on his chest and back. But he tells police... He has a habit of scratching himself. I mean, I have scratched myself on my sleep, but not like long scratches on my chest the way his were. Like, I've scratched my nose. I've scratched my eye right here where it itches, like where my hair tickles. He says that he and Shelly spent most of their time in her room playing video games. And they like, never fought. They were a great couple. They, they had no problems. I didn't say that, <laughs> but they haven't even kissed yet. What? Yeah, I don't know. Why and they've been together for months? They've been dating for a couple of months. And they haven't kissed. That's what he said. And they've been alone together in the room. Yeah, playing video games. And, and they're watching 20. TV. And they're in college. I mean, come on. So when Cynthia tells Maybe Nathan, they just went straight for a home run. Maybe. I mean, that's possible. It is possible. I don't know what it's like for teenagers these days. But when Cynthia tells Nathan that Shelly was about to break up with him, he gets really pissed and says, you're lying. That's not true. She wouldn't do that. That's not true. So he agrees to let the cops search his apartment. In his room, in Nathan's room, the police find a large connection, a large collection of martial arts weapons, oh, including throwing stars, knives, and swords. Swords, not the swords. They also find a ninja costume. Maybe that's why she hadn't kissed him yet. Which he proudly we- wears on his so- social media page with the caption "Ninja Evil Me." Mm-hmm. Maybe that's. I mean, why his she last name is kiss. Shuck. So what the Shuck man? He's shucked up. Shut the shut the shuck door. It's just shucking ridiculous. Mother shucker. 
So they go in his bathroom and they find a plastic bag with traces of hair and blood inside. It's just blood. No big deal. Just keep going. Just keep Think going. nothing of it. It's just That's blood. what Ashley does. Just blood. So when they ask him about it, he gets pissed and accuses them of planting the bag in his apartment. He's like, I've never seen that. You guys put that there. You're trying to frame me. So then he calls his lawyer and refuses to cooperate after that. So they're basically ninjas, breaking into a ninja's apartment. Ninjas are doing shit all over his place. And maybe they're stealing his throwing stars. Who knows? So when they're checking his apartment, they are able to meet his roommate, Daniel. His name is Daniel William. They discover that he's good friends with Shelly's roommate, Ashley. I mean, they all go to college together. That's not that uncommon. But Daniel's 26 and older than most of the other students. 26? Yeah. Well, he's been in college for 10 years? He was born in Indonesia. He served in the U.S. Navy as a pastry chef. Then he enrolled in the Art, Art Institute to study interactive media. So Daniel's like a big brother to Nathan. He helps him with his homework, makes his meals, and drives him to and from school. So he's his dad. Seems like it. <laughs> Seems kind of weird. And I mean, I guess if you have a younger roommate and you're a little more mature, you're mm-hmm. going to try to help him out, right? I agree. I think you're just going to naturally fall into that role. I see. So on a week later, they have the funeral services for Shelley at the Central Baptist Church in Italy, and they the burial services were at Forreston Cemetery. Nathan did attend the funeral, even though he was still a potential suspect in her murder. I have a question. Yes. Did he wear his ninja costume? Oh, my God, no, I don't think so. I mean, I think he should have, I mean, considering, like, maybe she he's liked a suspect, it. and I, I think... I just feel like maybe she liked the costume. Maybe she did. Maybe that's why he wore it on his social media pages. At the funeral, Nathan goes up to talk to Shelly's parents, introduces himself to pay his respects, but they won't shake his hand. Why can you sense that something is... He's been... He's a suspect. Okay. I mean, he's been questioned, but then so has Ashley. Yeah. I mean, so... What's the motive, though? Well, I mean, right now they don't have a motive, but, like, he has all these weapons at his, his house. They found blood and hair mm. evidence in his bathroom. So he's, he's sketch. I mean, there's enough there. Like, if it were my daughter, I'd be like, you fucking did it. What are you doing here? (laughs) You. (laughs) You're not even, get the hell out of here before I shoot you myself. I can see you, Ninja. Get out. Yeah, you're not invisible, dude. Yeah. I can fucking see you. DNA on the bag found in Nathan's bathroom comes back, and the DNA does, in fact, belong to Shelly. Well, that's his girlfriend. Only two people live in that apartment. Nathal, Nathal, Nathal? I need, I need to calm the fuck down. I, I done got excited. Good topo. Thank you. Daniel and Nathan are the only two guys that live in that apartment. So one of the two of them did it. Okay. But the DNA is blood? It's DNA. It's blood in here. Okay. And it's hers. Okay. Well, if she could have cut herself shaving, she took a shower. But then why would you? I think it's interesting that it's in a baggie. Like? It's in a Ziploc baggie. Just like, just like poured blood in there? Just blood and hair in a Ziploc baggie draped over the sink. Like, why would you do that? That's weird. If you weren't trying to frame somebody, I'm just saying. It just, I, I think if it's I weird. were him. It's weird. And I didn't do it, I'd be like, You're, somebody's trying to set me up. Yeah. But Daniel's quick to point the finger at Nathan and says Nathan is obsessed with Shelly. He stalked her wherever she went. When Daniel picks up Nathan from school on the day of the murder, um, Daniel says Nathan was in a very strange mood. And he says later that night he claims he claims he heard Nathan crying in his bedroom. But there's no proof of that. But he's trying to build a case against him. Mm-hmm. Nathan, though, can prove that he spent the night in his parents' house. His mother drove him to school that next morning. Not only that, but witnesses also confirmed that Nathan was at school on Thursday morning studying in a computer lab. So he has a really strong alibi. Okay. I mean, if anybody's going to lie for you, though, it's going to be your mom. 
right? Yeah, or your but, sister. But he was at school. Okay. Then Nathan starts talking. He says, he tells investigators that his roommate Daniel is openly gay. He says their relationship is purely platonic. Did I say platonic? No, you said platonic. Okay. But says Daniel lately has become increasingly possessive and controlling of him. When Nathan starts spending more time with Shelly, he spends less time at the apartment with Daniel. So they both have motive. Seems like it. So they decide to, the cops decide to go talk to Shelly's mom again and ask her about her opinion of Daniel. Does she know anything about him? Did Shelly talk about him? And she said, well, Shelly said that Daniel t- called and texted her repeatedly after she started dating Nathan and that Daniel even cornered her at school and it's insulted that the two aren't inviting him on their dates. Um, it's not a thruple. Exactly. It's a couple. <laughs> it's very different. A thruple. <laughs> He feels like he's being ditched. Yeah. Like, okay. Well, and if he has a thing for um, Nathan, he's going to be upset because mm-hmm. now Nathan he's jealous. Isn't gay. It doesn't matter, but he's attracted. This to him. is true. Okay. So when Shelly comes over to visit Nathan, Daniel stands there and stares at them. Oh. It weird. becomes so awkward that they start spending more time at Shelly's, which means less time for. So he indirectly caused them. He pushed them to her apartment. Yep. Because he can't respect respect the drip, Karen. <laughs> So now they need to find out where was Daniel on the day of the murder? What was he doing? Mm-hmm. We know that Nathan has an alibi. So they ask him and he says, well, I started off at the coffee shop and then I text my friend Ashley and ask her if we, she would meet me for lunch later. Then I decide to drive to White Rock Lake to complete a photography assignment. But then when I get there, I realize I forgot my camera. So instead, I drove over to a friend's house. How convenient. How are you going to take... So two days after they interview Daniel, they bring Ashley in again and are starting to be persistent persistent with her. Like, they want to know. You've got to know more. We need more information. Every time you guys come in, we get more and more. So let's talk. So she said she got a stream of texts from Daniel the morning of the murder. So the phone records show that Daniel sent 13 texts to Ashley between 1030 and 1037. Holy cow. That's more than one a minute. Then the text stopped for an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. Then she says, you know what? About a month before the murder, Daniel barred my car and on my key ring was my apartment key. So it's possible that he made himself a key and used it to enter the apartment Ooh, on the day of the murder. Super creepy. Yep. So with all this new information... The police put together how they think Daniel committed this murder. Shelly is up all night on Wednesday until 6 a.m. And then she goes to sleep. Ashley leaves for school at 9. A short time after that, video surveillance at a Walmart close to the apartment shows Daniel buying blue latex gloves, which are consistent with what they found by her body. On the way out of the store, Daniel, is, Daniel you can see him on his phone texting Ashley, trying to figure out when she's coming back to the apartment. When he finds out that it's not going to be until 3, the texts stop. He goes to Shelly's apartment. He enters the apartment, possibly with a key, or maybe it was unlocked. We don't know. Um, sees her asleep in bed. Does what he's came there to do. Stabs her 42 freaking times. Cleans up and leaves. And if he did really drive to White Rock, which they couldn't prove, it wasn't for a damn school photo, but it was to dump the murder weapon and any other incriminating evidence. Mm-hmm. So, like, I've the been out to White Rock. Yeah, the gloves and 
whatever knife, he wore, whatever. Maybe. Yeah, maybe the clothes he had on and any the other gloves. Like who knows? His apartment key that he made. If he his made apartment it. key. Damn. Anything else? So it looked like he killed her in a jealous rage and tried to frame Nathan for the crime um, by putting the bloody bag in their shared bathroom. So it was a setup, but it wasn't by the cops. When the members of the Italy High School class of 2007 heard that Shelly had been killed, they were shocked, obviously, and they couldn't imagine her not being around and being around them anymore. So they planted a tree in her memory in the courtyard at the high school to commemorate her amazing life and that it ended too soon. And they there's an engraved stone with her name and her uh, birth and date of death. And it's called the Shelley Nance Memorial Garden. I'll put pictures up. It's really sweet. So now we're at November 4th, 2009. So this is eight weeks after the murder. They finally arrest Daniel and charge him with first-degree murder. But now they have to prove that Nathan is innocent to have Daniel be guilty, right? Because we know it's one of those two, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. It was in their apartment. One of those two did it. And they know that what they have right now is primarily circumstantial because there's no definitive evidence linking Daniel to the murder. No fingerprints, no DNA, no confession. And the defense is going to say it was Nathan, right? Because mm-hmm. he's got all the knives. Right. And, and he, it's his girlfriend. And he has access. And he was angry and all of that. So August 2010, Shelly Nance's family creates this Shelly Nance Memorial Art Scholarship uh, to be awarded to a graduating senior of Italy, Italy High School. And they started this in the year of 2011. So to be a candidate for this scholarship, the students had to turn in a sample of their artwork, explain what they're wanting to do with their life through art and what kind of mediums they are using. So I think that's super cool. Very cool. And I did find there is a Facebook page for the Shelly Nance memorial page. And I did send a message letting them know that we're going to cover her story and that I found it about this, the episode that I found. And they didn't know that there was an episode on it. So maybe they'll go watch it. So maybe like... We can promote their page and they can yeah. promote ours or whatever. But I did reach out to them. I don't know who the person is, but I did reach out because there's a lot of, I wouldn't going to guess it's probably her mom because she posts like, I would have been 31 today oh, yeah. and I really liked margaritas and I was talking about having a margarita on my 21st birthday. So go have a margarita for me. And, and I really loved Valentine's day, but I called it single awareness day. <laughs> so there's a lot of activity on the page. So Shelly, I, I liked it yesterday, May, 2011. Um, the Ellis County Art Museum was honoring Shelly Nance's memory by having an art show of her artwork. The place was overflowing with people viewing her wonderful artwork. People came and went all evening until around 8. Her mom explained that we are having an exhibit of her of my daughter's art. It's strictly for the community to see how talented she was. That's what we have lost. We do have a donations jar, and the donations from the show help, but we already have funds for the scholarship. She didn't want people thinking she was using the donations for the scholarship. Mm-hmm. We'll continue to raise funds because we want this scholarship, the scholarship to continue to go on for at least 10 years. I guess that's as long as you can do it because she said after 10 years is up, we'll sign up for another 10 years. We want to make this a permanent thing at Italy High School so that an art student will get a scholarship to study art, which my daughter loves so much. I almost started crying on that one. Finally, November 2011. Mm-hmm. Daniel Williams stands trial for Shelly Nance's first-degree murder. So prosecutors come through Nathan's life to try to find a way to prove that he didn't do it. After looking at everything where he was on the day, they were going to prove that he was... So ultimately, he was at school on the day of the murder. 
even if he wasn't home that morning, he was at school. Mm -hmm. So at the time of her death, he was at school. At the time when they think her... And that is a solid alibi. That is rock solid because the school has... I don't know if they have video or whatever, but they have lots of people saying he was at school. It's not just one buddy covering from him mm -hmm. for him. He was at school. And he didn't take the stand. Daniel didn't. But the defense points to Nathan and says, every piece of evidence presented against Daniel could equally apply to Nathan. And, I mean, that's I mean, true. It, to an extent, but the motives are different. The you motives know? are different. Because Nathan, I mean, he was visually upset when he found out something happened to her. He maybe was a little obsessed with her, but usually when they're that obsessed with you, they only become violent when they realize they can't be with you. And that hadn't happened. He didn't, she didn't, they didn't, he didn't know anything about a breakup till after she was dead. So there really was no motive for him to kill her. There was no reason for him to get rid of her. Mm -hmm. He wanted to be with her. But she was in the way of Daniel and Nathan's relationship, even though the way Daniel saw it and the way Nathan saw it was different. She was in the way. So there was, and he could ragefully kill her without having feelings for her like, mm -hmm. like Nathan did. Right. So clearly there's more motive Absolutely. for Daniel than Nathan. Absolutely. So in a decision that shocks the courtroom. I'm shocked. The defense calls. I'm shocked. The defense calls a witness. I'm shocked. Shelly's mom <gasps> is a witness for the defense. Yeah. What? Yeah. So she doesn't think Daniel did it. Cynthia tells the court of Shelly's intent to break up with Nathan, which could provide a clear motive of a rage type killing. But he didn't know. Right. I don't think she knows everything we knew at the time. Like, I don't think she knew about maybe the, she the way just, it was set up. And maybe she just assumed because Shelly told her that Usually, she was going to break up. It's that, the freaking boyfriend. It is. And Usually it is. So from a parent's perspective... I kind of get it, but I couldn't believe when they said she was a witness for the defense. I was like, oh, my Well, gosh. I mean, even as an outsider, if you told me this story like you just did and said this is a situation, which one do you think did it? It would make more sense to me that Daniel did it than Nathan. Because, right? again, if he if she had presented to him that she wanted to break up with him and then it happened, it would be really hard for me to decide who did it. Mm -hmm. But the fact that Nathan just didn't have a motive, like he loved her, he wanted to be with her. Wanted to be with her. There was no reason to to for yeah. anything to happen to her. At this point, the defense case rests on the testimony of the people that they've called and the only other person that lives in the apartment. But he has an alibi. So, like, I don't know. I feel like the jury's going to be like, I don't know what to do. Yeah. And so, a little backstory on Daniel. No, yeah, on Daniel. Remember, I told you he was a pastry chef in the Navy. Wait, was he a ninja? No, he wasn't a ninja. Just Nathan was the ninja. That would have been funny if he was if they had the ninja thing in common. Um, so according to the Veterans Affair medical records, this was submitted as evidence during the punishment phase. Nathan was removed from his ship at his request in March of 2005. He told a psychologist that he was so upset with superiors that he might be tempted to use pots and pans or hot grease and or knives to hurt them. God, what? He asked to be removed from the ship because he was concerned that in the heat of the moment, he might not be rational. There was also one... All he did was make food. Yeah, but we don't know what set him off. No, but I'm saying, like, it's not like he it's saw a, combat. He right. made food. He's a pastry chef, right? Like, you make food all What's day. What's the least... And not even, like, hard food. You make sweet foods. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they might be crunchy. Oh, you maybe. Mean, like, you or mean, maybe, like, savory pastries, but they could have also been sweet pastries. Right. But, I mean... Pastry chefs, it's it's a little bit of a complex. It's not as easy as like I mean, making bread is complex. I mean, you it screw is up, like it's not as it easy is. as like making a cake. It's like pastries are really complex. But regardless, it's not like he was in combat, yeah, so yeah. it's not like he was PTSD. He just 
he has an anger problem. They said there was also at least one prior occasion in which Daniel acted violently. He reported having nightmares, general anxiety, and had one rageful outburst, although he was typically mellow and calm. So it's like he did really well, and then all of a sudden he's like all pissed off. Like and then he's okay. Manic. Yeah, maybe. Um, so the outburst that they referred to happened in November, and he tore up his brother's room in, at his mom's house with a samurai sword and said that even him himself was surprised by his actions after he had calmed down. Like, even he was like, oh, my God, I did this. And so during the trial, he appeared calm and unemotional during most of the trial. The only time he appeared to cry when it was, when it was when his mother testified that he was a good boy. Shelley's parents were able to read a victim impact statement and said that the loss of their daughter completely destroyed their lives. Her dad said that her death rendered him no longer capable of showing emotion. He said, my dog died and I didn't even cry. I just dug a hole and buried him. He said he wakes up in the middle of the night and hears his wife sobbing in another room. Uh, he looked at Daniel and said, I wish you would die for this. Cynthia told him, I hope you enjoy your time in jail and I hope you develop a conscience while you're there. The verdict came back after three hours. Daniel's found guilty of first-degree murder, and he is sentenced to life in prison with no possibility of parole for 30 years. After the verdict is announced, Cynthia tracks down Nathan and apologized for the way she treated him. He was able to share his grief of losing his girlfriend with her family, finally. Um, Daniel is in the Ferguson unit in Midway, Texas. Hmm. And so her mom still does the art show. Mm -hmm. I saw a post where... One of the times she ended up canceling it because there wasn't enough interest. But I do have some pictures of her artwork. And there is a website. So I think if you're interested, you can go and okay. buy some of her artwork or go like the Facebook page. And maybe I was kind of hoping donate maybe... Donate to the scholarship or something. Donate to the scholarship, yep. Um, I was kind of hoping maybe whoever run the page would like ask me some questions. But I'll keep in touch with the page, the admin on the page, and let them know when the episode is uploaded. So if they want to listen to it... They're, they're welcome to do that. But yeah, I think I'll go donate some money to the scholarship, you know, for scholarship. Scholarship. So I know this is not our normal story because usually it's always the boyfriend, but I, I wanted to do well, this Well, it was one the boyfriend's boyfriend. Because it wasn't the boyfriend this time. And initially, he looked really guilty. Well, yeah. So sometimes, even though you look guilty, you may not really be. But again, it goes back to motive. It does. It go always back to goes back to motive, you know, like motive and evidence. Yes. I mean, you can have so much circumstantial evidence towards someone, but if they don't have a reason that's going to benefit them to kill someone, they're not going to do it. Just like anything you do in life, you're only going to do it to get something out of it. You know, like yeah. we work because we have to right, to make a living, but we also choose the field we go in to get something out of it, you know? But if we didn't want to work, we we could just live on the streets or exactly. live out in the forest right. or whatever. Yeah. So even we, we work to pay our bills, but we, we don't even have to do that if we didn't want to. No. Right. And the so it's a choice. It is. And but you're right. We're motivated you, by something. We're and motivated you're, yeah. by hunger to eat. We're motivated by wanting dry clothes to use the bathroom and the toilet. We're motivated by, yeah. motivated by well, like, everything. When you think about like you chose the field of work that you choose to be in because you like to solve problems, and when you see a problem, you are motivated to fix that problem, yep. right? Like, you don't want to be in the kind of line of work where there's you can't fix something, right? Yep. Like, that's what you like to do. 
Um, I like healthcare. I, I like to help people. I get to fix people, I guess you could say. But it's gratifying to me, and I get satisfaction from helping people and making them feel better. So but the motive for me is to help people make, make them feel better. So everybody chooses whatever path they go down to get something in return. So no one's going to just walk out into a street and murder a bunch of people without a reason to do so. Right. You know, whether it's I want recognition, I want to be on the Channel 5 News, I want to get back in society because I was bullied all my life. I got fired or whatever. Like I have have rage that I want to place somewhere, but there's a motive and a reason behind it. And that to me is is the answer to all the murders. Yep. The evidence is just the breadcrumbs to lead you to into yeah. the storytelling part. Yeah. To line, put all the pieces together. Mm-hmm. But it's the Hansel and Gretel of every story. Right. <laughs> but yeah. So that is the story of How Samantha, I, Elizabeth, no, Samantha, Michelle, Shelly Nance. I pray that she never woke up. Me I too. pray that her dream just became heaven. Explain to me how you can say you have life in prison, but then give you parole after 30 or 40 years. I don't know. That's a good question. I really don't understand. I, I feel don't like understand it. if I'm, life if in I prison feel means I die in prison, right? Don't tell me you're going to give me life in prison, but then give me a chance to have a life for 40 years. Afterwards. Well, just because you're up for parole doesn't mean you're going to get out. But why should you be eligible for parole no, if I you agree. took someone's life? I, I don't know. I agree with you. I, I just feel I like life in prison is life in prison. Otherwise say you this get is, 40 years or this whatever. Is, I live in the black and white world. I don't live in the gray world. And I so live in the you, gray sometimes. I don't. I try not to. Well, I mean, I don't do it Some, intentionally. Sometimes it's called for. Yeah. Sometimes. But I feel like when it comes to laws and rules, very, very seldom should there be gray. It should be black or white. Either you did it or you didn't. Did he kill her? Yeah. So he took her life, so we're going to take his and he's going to go stay in jail. We didn't give you the death penalty, but... And either it's life in prison or you serve 30 years with possibility of parole. It shouldn't be both. I feel like it should be your life in prison. End of story. I mean, he went in and brutally stabbed somebody. What what makes him think that after all this time in prison that he's going to be able to go out and assimilate and have a normal life? And And premeditate. What if he gets pissed off and does it again? You don't know. And this... He did it in the military. He mm-hmm. did, and he was surprised with his actions when he messed up his house, right? His brother's his room. His brother's room. So, like, maybe with age, he'll become more relaxed. Maybe he won't. But how can you be 100% sure that after 30 years, he's not going to do it you again? You don't know. You don't. Don't act like you do because you don't. You don't. You don't know, <laughs> Amy. <laughs> so, that's a good story. Thank you. That's a wrap. Rest in peace, Shelly Nance. All right, that's all right. Thank you guys for sharing and liking and following and all that stuff. We love you guys. All right, bye, y'all. Bye, y'all.